With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Andreas Michaelitis, Chief Psychologist at Noom. But what's Noom and why does Noom need a Chief Psychologist? Noom is a weight loss program that works with results that last. Because we know that changing the way you eat starts with your mind. With Noom's proven psychology-backed tools, one-on-one coaching, and flexible plans that emphasize progress over perfection, you'll have the tools you need to change your relationship with food. So sign up at Noom.com now and lose the weight for good. That's N-O-O-M.com. Welcome to uh, a suspended uh, Arsenal Opinion podcast. It's suspended because we're not going to be talking much football because there was no Manchester City game this week. There'll be no Brighton game this weekend. Um, Alex, how, how do you how do you feel at the moment? What's going on? Well, uh, I mean, it's obviously um, a, a sort of an unreal situation uh, that's um, unfolding. Um, and becoming sort of more more serious, I suppose, by the day. I was going to say it's not really a suspended podcast; it's more a quarantined one. And you're uh, quarantined, right? You've got a well, light, I, light cough. It's a it's a tickly cough. I don't know if that's enough. I mean, I mean it's enough for me to be self isolating, so I've been doing that. Um, you know, doing doing my bit. Um, but we'll just have to see what happens. But uh, I think it's also, you know, it's partly our duty really given i imagine lots of other people are, are at home and kind of bored that we give them some fresh delicious arsenal content even if there's not much to sort of talk about yeah i, I absolutely agree with you i think that the people demand content we're just gonna have to get very creative about how we bring that to life uh, so let's um let's just let's dive straight in i i think the i think that if this podcast is is well known for anything. It's not doing any of the idle banter that a lot of the podcasts do in the first five minutes where people joke about liking baked beans and Marmite. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe, that, maybe that's something we can work on at a later date. So, I could do some impressions. Yeah, you, you could do some funny impressions. That would be yeah. great. Um, I could talk about my Roomba um, because I've been, I've been self-isolating 
all this week <laughs> on my own. Um, my girlfriend has been in Mexico working on a on a pitch. She's coming back today. But I've had to make. Mm. I, I've kind of. I, I've been reading a few books about artificial intelligence and how it's rapidly advancing. We're trying to use it for some of the uh, some of the stuff that we do in, in our agency. Uh, yeah, I, I see artificial intelligence as supporting creativity, not replacing it. But in the yeah. home. I see it as replacing uh, some of the, the the dog's body work. So I, 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 my my girlfriend bought me a Roomba, and I was going to say I was going to say how you went on a quite a journey in that uh, that sentence from Roomba to artificial intelligence, but yeah. you brought it back around. Big, sorry, big sorry. picture is I fear artificial intelligence. The narrow picture is I will buy it if it makes my life easier, which I guess is why we're all so worried okay. about it. But anyway, I, I've I've been on my own for the last two weeks and. I've I've grown fondly attached to this Roomba. His name's his name's Colin. And what is a sorry? What what is a Roomba? Oh, oh, I thought it was like a dance move or something. No, a Roomba is a it's a little vacuum cleaner that just goes off <laughs> on its own, right? And it sends you little updates, and it gets stuck in um it gets stuck under the couch, and actually right. I think it creates more more dust than it's needed. But it, you know, it's like having a dog that doesn't yeah, yeah. shit and cleans up the house. So anyway, that's my that's my bit of uh, pre-pod banter. But there are much more serious things to talk about. That's good so, banter. Thank you for thank you for that. So why don't we just why don't we dive straight in? So the we played we played West Ham and we didn't play very well. Uh, no, no, was it was it was was it West Ham? It was, it was, yeah, yeah it was yeah, West Ham. Yeah. We played, we played badly, and then we had, uh, then we had a game against uh, Manchester City on the Wednesday, and mm. I was, I was quite fearful that we were going to get absolutely destroyed because Manchester City took a beating from United, and the whole narrative of Pep. Uh, serving out a lesson to his junior who betrayed him, it felt like a, a it felt like the perfect narrative. And then Arsenal fans could all pile on that Arteta was a novice, and uh, we'd be where you know we'd end up not in a good position. But the game against City got cancelled uh, because of uh, of worries around COVID nineteen. And then late late that even uh, late was it two days ago. Mm. Arteta was announced as having um, having COVID nineteen. I, I I partly suspect that Arsenal knew that he had it because uh, the cancellation because of the Olympiacos yeah. head honcho getting it didn't didn't really marry because I think it had been thirteen or fourteen days um, had passed since that game. So Mikel Arteta has COVID nineteen. So I'd imagine that he's interacted with a lot of the players, probably a lot of hugs. After the uh, after the dramatic win against uh, against David Moyes, mm. or the lucky win. Um, what did what did you think when you first heard the the Arteta had picked up the disease? Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, really shocking and really surprising, and and obviously very sort of sad for him and, and concerned for him, and hope he he's okay and anyone anyone around him. I think, I mean. We got to really be careful with this, not to get too much onto, you know, trying to sound like experts on uh, sort of d- disease and things like that when when we're not. But I think it's just interesting, that, you know, that there's been a couple of uh, canaries in the coal mine. Have all been, you know, celebrities, whether it's Arteta or Tom Hanks, or there's a government minister in uh, in the UK who's 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 caught it as well. And I think, you know, this is probably. Good. 
I expect is probably going to happen more over the coming weeks and, and months and will become uh, fairly normal. And I think it's the, the reason it's famous people we're hearing about is because they're the ones getting tested. Um, I understand. So it's, yeah, it's, it's shocking. And it's, it's all part of this really surreal picture that's a thing event that's taking place at the moment that we just have to readjust to. And it's kind of weird, isn't it? You know, you were talking about the West Ham game. I was at it. I mean, it just feels like a a lifetime ago, but also feels a bit sort of pointless even talking about it or trying to dissect what the team did or, or could do or the potential of the team because there's just so much bigger, bigger, so many bigger things at work at the moment. You just hope that people are okay, and it just I think it just puts a lot of those kind of things in perspective, actually. Um, yeah, which is a really really bleak sentiment, I guess, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, did you? Uh, what, what, how did you? What do you think? Or how did you feel when you found out? I, shocked, really, really shocked, and I, just because I don't know why you just don't expect healthy, rich people to get yeah to get diseases. You're like you don't you don't go on the on the tube. You don't you don't have to sit on a on a bus or you know, get coughed at by. Uh, that by passerbys or you know like walk past like builders spitting or you know whatever it is so i i was i was surprised and i i'm glad that the the games were cancelled i feel like the british government's response is has been odd and i'm i'm still shocked to read that gigs are going ahead and that people mm. are still gathering in large places and uh, I, I don't uh, but it seems like the premier league and actually the i think the interesting thing that's come out of all of it is um in, in a world where that seems to be lacking leadership businesses uh seem to be standing up and uh, and mm. taking the, the the big decisions because cannot have been easy for the premier league to to suspend the competition i mean it's it's it, uh, people say it's obvious like you put health first but mm. you know, we live in a capitalist world and mm. profits speak very loudly you've only got you know, i'm wandering around the streets of new york and uh, the apple store is full of staff and i tried to yeah. walk in but it's it's full of staff but it's just so they can get paid and a big mm. company like apple with a 120 billion sitting in the bank account can afford that but then you walk a little bit further down the road and all the restaurants uh, are still open you know struggling to stay afloat so the the the, the decision to for football to cancel is 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 multi-layered because yeah uh, you know the footballers are going to be all right the managers are going to be all right but there is a there's a whole cottage industry <laughs> built yeah. around the the game of football like you know you've got the temporary staff um that are, that are now wondering where their next paycheck is going to come from you've got all yeah. the local businesses uh, that are going to have you know 10 to 15 games less um to 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 be able to prop up their profits so uh, for for the for the football league to cancel uh to, well not cancel the season yet to put it on hold is is massive in the grand scheme of things it's not people mm. are actually dying but you know we're here to talk about football not the uh, you know the global consequences um but yeah i i, I was shocked about arteta um, i'm glad you know, i've got so had a little bit of <laughs> had a little bit of intel um early doors that he's absolutely fine um mm. you know he, i feel like arteta is the ultimate pragmatist i quite like the way that he was 
talking about his disease that he was disappointed <laughs> you know like that did he say did he actually say that i'm sure he, he says something along the lines and it sounded like you, you know the way when arsenal have a bad opening 20 minutes and he's disappointed yeah. it's sort of referenced that you know obviously i'm disappointed and i thought that that was um that was quite interesting but you know yeah. he's, he's one of the he's one of the young ones he's going to be fine the mortality rate is is very low um most people you know barely have um barely have any symptoms and you know we've got to be thankful for that but yeah. Uh, so, so f- f- I, like you say, we're not experts. Um, we're just um, we're just reading reading about this in quality places like Fox News uh, yeah. to, to get our information. So everything should be all right. But I just I I, I, th- I do think that there are that we can talk about some of the knock on consequences of this because there are going to be a lot. And I think the the debate mm. is uh, the, the debate is going to rage over the the next month because. If if the experts uh, expert scientists around the UK government are to be believed, mm. that we're not going to hit peak coronavirus until at least mid June. So the chances of the Premier League coming back anytime soon are very very slim. So I wanted to just talk about this across three categories where this could have a really massive impact. Um, yeah. Firstly, I want to talk about um, what's going to happen in the league. Because there's uh, already uh, a massive debate. Karen Brady's come out and said that we should void the entire league. Um, so we can talk about that. Then I want to talk about the, the knock-on effect that it's going to have for the football clubs. Because there are, there are financial implications here uh, for everybody. Right, that, that's, that's the fans. Um, that's, the, um, that's the footballers. That's sponsors. That's TV people. So we can talk about how we, not how we think think it's going to play out because we don't know. But we can talk about the different scenarios and what that could possibly mean. And then we'll talk about the the big one for me. the The biggest one is are the are the, are the people on the shop floor. Mm. Um, and the, the people that have zero hour contracts, the people that keep the club running. Um, and we'll talk about that because I know that, you know, you work in uh, like a type of PR and you formulate responses for companies. And it would be interesting to get your take on what you would do if Arsenal asked you to advise them on, on situations like that. Yeah. Does okay. that sound good? That sounds, yeah, sounds great. Great. Okay. Well, we're going to be back uh, in part two uh, to get down into the weeds. Welcome back to part two. I'm here with Alex and we're discussing uh, possible ramifications of COVID-19. And we're not going to get into the details of the disease because we absolutely have zero expertise in this. But we can speculate on the things that we sort of have a knowledge of uh kind of uh, you know, which is uh, yeah still yeah. it's listen we're, we're we've got so we got we'll find something yeah we'll, we'll find something okay so alex first thing that i want to talk about is the the chances of the league coming back are very 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 slim uh in my mm. opinion so karen brady has come out and said uh, well, I don't even know what Karen Brady came out to say. I'm looking at the I'm, wrong line. I'm, I've got your blog open. She said suspension or cancellation of the league was always a certainty. Um, there's no dodging the possibility. We'll have to uh, leagues will have to be cancelled and the season declared null and void because uh, if players can't play, the games can't go ahead. 
So let's just be honest about this opinion that Karen's got. It's firstly, it's really fucking crass, mm. I think. And secondly, we know why she's got that opinion because West Ham are in danger of going down this season despite having quite a lot of quality in their side and she wants to yeah. protect against that. But here's here, a question to you. Like, firstly, if you, how, how, how do you, how would you approach, approach this? I, I mean, it's such a big, ridiculous question, but like they're going to have, the, the Premier League are going to have to yeah. answer this, I think. Oh, so, right. So, in, <laughs> okay, I, I, I've got I've got a more formulated. Oh yeah, no. Okay, I've got I've got a more formulated thing in my well, head that maybe well, can. I've got, okay, okay. I, I, maybe this can lay a bit of a framework. Okay, um, go on. so if if uh, so, that there are there's the line of thinking from Karen Brady is everybody retains their positions from last season, and and that's how we go, and that works out quite nicely for quite a lot of clubs. That takes Arsenal. Uh, to fifth and that gives us a Champions League position so we can celebrate mm-hmm. that there's a guy called James Robson and yeah. he says uh, he's got this tweet that you can check out on lagrove.co.uk says uh, and he's got a list of clubs where um, if you did that it would it would actually work out better for Arsenal Newcastle Southampton Brighton West Ham and Watford uh, wouldn't work out well for Liverpool because City were uh, champions wouldn't work out well um, for Leicester but so you can just uh, and when you hear this idea initially you're like wow okay that sounds super unfair but then you then you start then you start going well okay we're in a situation where if we end the league and then we just give everyone in the positions they've currently got it's unfair because everybody's not played out their games the only the only yeah. team really that you could justify this for would be liverpool but mm. arsenal like the, the the gap between um at like 12th and 6th <laughs> is about i think it's about 8 points i don't have it exactly yeah. it's, it's about 8 points so basically Newcastle, well, Everton have a shout uh, mm. at top at top five this season. So you're going to get if you if you if you if you give everybody a position they've got right now, you are going to open yourselves up to firstly teams boycotting um, next season. You're going to open yourself up to legal challenges from at least five clubs, and I think you're going to sow a lot of distrust with the fans. Like I, I think mm. it could be. Uh, it, it could be a cataclysmic decision, and the mm. knock-on effect of that is who gets relegated. Like, yeah. so there is there is talk that maybe they increase the size of the Premier League next season, so no one goes down, um, and then certain teams come up. But then you've got problems in the Championship because Leeds and West Brom lead the way there, um, and then there are four teams that sit below them, and there is a the gap between like. Uh, third and uh, sorry, uh, you know, making the playoffs and eleventh is six points. <clears throat> so how do you decide who goes up? So yeah. like every way that you cut this argument, there are someone loses. Yeah, some someone someone loses loses out. Mm. Which so then the third option, and this one is interesting uh, because I I quite favour it, <laughs> but you you finish the season out. Like if 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 it has to finish out in December, like you restart the league in September or you know or, or, or October, and then all of the world's leagues restart at the same time. So you basically put all of the world's leagues into sync. 
I haven't yeah. read that anywhere. That's just something that I invented right there and then. But <laughs> yeah. like we, you know, we've got that World Cup coming up in Qatar in a in in a in two years' time. That's going to yeah. change the whole diet. You know, the, the the whole setup of like all of the leagues because you have to play the World Cup in the winter. So why don't we get ahead of that now mm. and start next season in January and finish out this season? Because one, that would be fair. And we could finish out the competition and then we could get uh, in sync for the most ridiculous World Cup of all time. So uh, those are those are the three options. Uh, if you manage to retain any of that in your head, it would be great. <laughs> It'd be great to get your opinion on like, you know, like, what's the best option? How, how would you play this? Right. So I was just thinking about my answer while you were giving your options. I think, look, I think... Um, Karen Brady, what what she said, half of what she said is correct. I I can't see how the league uh, can can finish in in time now. Not just because of the suspension, but because of the time it would take players to get back to full fitness after you know spending weeks sort of isolating and not exercising all those things. So you basically need to come up with a accept uh, that that's going to happen and work out a way forward. I think for me instinctively it feels fairer to say you hold your current league position and that that's where you finish simply because we are far enough along in the season we're not five games in we're we're over two we two thirds so, i think we're three quarters what are we like three, 20, yeah. 28 29 games we've played three quarters and as much as i you know love arsenal it would be an outrage if we finished fifth and united finished eighth because from what we've seen so far this season, they have, I mean, it's, it's evidenced by the points total. They are a better team than us this season. And that would be, I think that'd be a massive injustice. Oh, come on. I think that that's unfair. Like if we, if, would, we, if we, if we beat Manchester City 4-0, um, like I was pretty sure was definitely going to happen, we would be, <laughs> we would have been within two points of Manchester United. But, yeah. We had to spend 60 million in January. We're fucking but, bringing in Cedric Suarez on a loan again. But yeah, but again, you're that's you're you're bringing in stuff. You know, I don't I don't like United, and yeah, they've got that unfair advantage. But that would be so unfair. It would be if it would we'd be ahead of we'd be ahead of Leicester as well and Chelsea. Um, it would maybe or maybe not Chelsea, but it just instinctively wouldn't feel right, and we absolutely don't deserve to be any higher than we are. Um. So, so, in, and there would be, I mean, there would be sort of banter qualities to, to doing that and to Liverpool not actually winning the title after they've been waiting for 30 years. There would be com- comedic value in that happening. But I think if we're looking for a sort of serious solution, that instinctively feels the fairest. The bit that gets really tricky um, is around the clubs that are facing relegation um, just because... You know, they they have they are losing so much um, from that in terms of money, um, and it could for some of those clubs it could you know like Villa they're so over leveraged as well with with uh, transfer fees and wages they would be in a lot of trouble. So <coughs> I don't know. So maybe um, maybe that, that the twenty two league game league proposal is the right one. But then actually your your thing about the you know resetting and having games over December. I mean, it instinctively it feels wrong, but we're having a World Cup in December anyway. So it's not like, you know, we've introduced VAR and all that. There are, the game does evolve. It doesn't seem like it, but we do evolve 
rules and and uh, schedules and different things um, have changed a lot in the last twenty years. So if if there was scope to do that, if people were you know if the the virus sort of um, went away and, and people were able to recover in time, uh, that that could be a possibility as well. I think the face I realised I just fluffed this because I've just outlined all your options again. But I, I think the the idea that we would go back to last season's that's is, that's off the table, right? That, that's that's, complete, got, no that's chance, nonsense. That's Absolutely, yeah. bo- that's bollocks. Even and I say, even as a some a fan of a club that would massively benefit from that, it would yeah. just be, it would not be fair. Uh, like, I don't think. okay, all right, listen, we're this is this is a podcast that is a, is about creativity, thinking on your feet, and brainstorming. Mm. I've got a new idea. Okay, okay, so we're going to expand the Premier League to um to. 22 right okay right. so uh, you know we, we keep we keep everybody in and then we add people from the championship let's let's uh, let's do like we, we're going to give promotion to leeds and west brom i like leeds um just, mm. just because of my uncle they play great football i want to see Bielsa in the premier league west brom is six six points clear of fulham um we can let them have it and then yeah. we'll, and then we'll have a behind closed doors playoff with the, the the teams that are in the playoff positions, problem solved there. Uh, so no one gets relegated from the Premier League, uh, and then we just you know the, the clubs all take a little bit of a hit in the money to allow that for one season. And then what would that mean? That would mean uh, five teams get relegated uh, in the next season as we try and bring things back. Mm-hmm. My, yeah. Listen, here here is here is my idea. Um, maybe we take uh, fourth to. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. Let's go fourth to eleventh, and start in the Champions League quarterfinals. We're gonna right. have we're gonna have a Champions League Cup, and it's gonna be Chelsea, United, Wolves, Sheffield United, Spurs, Arsenal, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. Palace you are, gonna... are determined to get us back in, to use this crisis to get us back in the Champions Listen, League. Listen, I admire this, it. This is this is the fairest way. Like I, I, th- <laughs> I, I don't think we can bring Leicester uh, into no. this, and then we'll just we'll just have we'll have a, a Champions League Cup so that everybody gets the opportunity. <laughs> everybody feels fair. Nobody takes legal action, uh, and, and we get to a fair outcome. It's a cup competition. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, think, I think I think we've solved it. <laughs> it's an idea. It's creative. I, I mean, again, it's it. Yeah, it's always at the margins, right? So, how do you decide that Leicester don't have to do it, but Chelsea do? You know, um, I, I think the idea of you know two coming up, having a twenty-two uh, team league next season, then five going down next year might might be might work. Actually, that's not bad. Actually, the Champions League Cup uh, would be. Two places, wouldn't it? Would it be? Two uh, oh no, no, no! Because um, it, it was—it's just one Champions League spot that everybody's fighting for, right? Oh no, fit, yeah. fit. No, no, no! Because City drop out, so there could be two places that we put in the cup, and Europe is decided by knockout. Uh, yeah. So, but so anyway, I think I think the I think the conclusion that we've landed on is that it's going to be very, very, very difficult. To, I, don't, I don't think there's a solution that doesn't annoy one one set of fans or result in legal action and delays for next season. I, I feel like the 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 best solution is to play out the season and postpone next season and get in line with the the Qatar 2022 World Cup. 
I think that's not a bad shout. Okay. But I mean, the, the, the unknown in all this is obviously how long, you know, things are going to be suspended for. If it, it might be sooner than everyone thinks, it might be longer. Yeah, and so, and also the the other, you know, everything has a, has a knock on effect here. And yeah. if you shifted the Premier League and it ran January, you know, like started in January and ran through to what like August September. What would yeah. what would other sports have to say about that? You know, like what yeah. would what does cricket have? Like it would decimate cricket crowds. Um, would it potentially right? Like uh, uh, I I reckon there's definitely a crossover between football fans and cricket fans. I, I might be yeah. wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm guessing. I'm speculating again. Yeah. I'm 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 fake news over here. All right. Okay. So I think that we've uh, successfully solved um, how that one's going to play out. The second thing that um, that we've got to talk about: what happens to um, to the money? Because, mm. like, look, I, I work in um, I work in advertising. We're plugged into lots of major blue chip organizations so you know we're paying extra close attention to what brands are doing we're being asked for opinions on on a whole range of things of of what companies can do in this climate to not look terrible Mm -hmm. and to like support consumers so Mm -hmm. you've got the the delta ceo who's forfeiting um salary and they're trying to hold off um layoffs you've got um google protecting its temporary uh, workers, you've got Apple funding all of their retail staff despite closing all of the shops. Everybody is trying to do the best um, to not come out of this looking like a disaster. But ultimately, we live in a capitalist society, and you have to protect the greater good of the company. So there's um, some not so nice ramifications that um, that are, are coming out of this, and they're all geared around money. So. The first one is you've got a lot of fans that can barely afford their season tickets at the moment, um, and they're going to be parked at home, like people that, uh, that 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 work in retail, that work in delivery. Like there's a whole host of services that people work in, where their 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 livelihoods are in jeopardy because they're not getting the work that they once would. So, first question I want to ask: Do you think Arsenal should be refunding if the season is cancelled? Should they be refunding? Uh, you know. 25% of people's season tickets. Is that a credit that people need to get back? No, I, th- I mean, I think it's, in, it's, 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 again, it's just so challenging, right? And I think there's, um, you know, there, there's some, some moves and some of the stuff you talked about. I think the CEOs cutting the salary is a bit, is a bit tokenistic. Um, but it, it, at times of sort of crisis and great stress, um, it, it's also an opportunity to do something um, th- for individuals and corporates to do something um, impressive and 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 show that they're they're more than just about uh, generating profit. I think the reality is, you know, it, it, it's so difficult. It it depends. Again, it depends on how long this goes on for, how grave it becomes. I think there are things that individual businesses can do to uh, provide support, whether it's through their expertise or their um, their sort of networks or anything like that, or whether it's someone like Arsenal refunding uh, season tickets. I think that would go a long way. I think it would be a, a good gesture and the right thing to do. I'm, I know I'm saying that, well, but the club will be looking at it going, 
well, yeah, we, we should do that and that'll make us look good and it'll be good for the fans. But we potentially have a massive black hole if we don't have European football money coming in. So they will be dealing with the same sort of level of, of uncertainty as um, as everyone else, I expect. Um, so the, um, the... Yeah, well, go on. You're, you're right. I mean, if we make, what, 90, 91, 92 million from gate receipts um they're already talking about losing 10 million uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that comes from from ticket sales but it's a it's a it's a different ball game if if that revenue is coming from season tickets i think but just like just let's just say just say it's 10 million we struggled we struggled to sign people on loan um this january yeah. so we are we are not cash rich Although Stan Kroenke is, um, is yeah, could I, I, I would be expecting. Yeah, let's not pretend. Expecting, that the, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. just going to say let's let let's not forget Stan Kroenke is worth uh, a hell of a lot of money, and it's a drop in the ocean to him. I wouldn't be expecting him to put in any money anytime soon, to be honest. No, um, no. But yeah, I mean, maybe they could do. So maybe it's not immediate refunds. Maybe it's credit for future games. That could, so it, it, at least it's a more manageable cost. Um, but you have to. Uh, you, I I imagine the the club and most corporates would be resisting those kind of things for as long as they they can. I think there's a broader question as well about, you know, what what happens with this if if it does become a case of self isolating for considerable amounts of time. So companies have to pay people who aren't going to be or who will be working, but perhaps with you know less productivity or if they're in jobs where they, they, they literally can't do their job without without going out and meeting people, are, the, are those people still paid? How does the company pay them if it's not getting paid for its services and all those things? And you, you imagine if it just goes on, I mean, we realize we're totally not talking about football now, we're just talking about broader issues. But if it goes on for longer, you'll have there'll be some kind of government intervention or you know bailing out or support fund for, for businesses and for, for people, especially in like the gig economy and things like that. Um, but yeah, sorry, we're meant to, look, we're meant to be, yeah, uh, listen, like, we can get it focused back in, in support. The, 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 the question is, do you think Arsenal have an obligation to refund fans for the, um, for the remaining home games that they, they won't be able to attend? They, I wonder if they, they're probably looking at the, the contract or, or getting their best lawyers to check what their obligation is. I think it would be with all these things as, you know, communications and what's right and what looks and sounds nice comes up against what's affordable and also what's what's legally required so they'll probably make a decision based on all three of those things i think if they could um and it uh they would i expect given the club doesn't have much money anyway they'll look for another way to um support fans but i might be complete i don't know i might be completely wrong what do you think i i don't know it's um it, it, this is this is all different. It's like a this is a, a complete freak of nature. Arsenal fans have had most of the season, but you know how these grassroots things start to rise up, and I think I, I think it's like a com- it's, it's going to be a cocktail of issues. Like everybody is fearing for for their jobs at the moment, especially people in like you say in industries where they they have to hang out with the public, you know, anybody that works in a bar, 
um, mm. you know, the, f- really feeling for the people that work in advertising who work in experiential marketing, which is all geared around experiencing the product in the real world. Um, so, uh, you know, you've got a cocktail of, of, of uncertainty. You People pay a lot for their season tickets and they're going to want to find a claw money back wherever they can. But mm. I, I, I just don't know whether there is a... Is there an obligation here? You know, Arsenal have got to run a business as well. And I think just yeah. being like, well, you know, you're rich anyway. It's like, well, Arsenal, Arsenal aren't a massively profitable organization. You know, like yeah. to have to give back 10 million, 20 million is not going to be easy. And I think that, no. that you know, we can, we can shift on to like the next part of like this, this conundrum because TV, TV companies, buy football to put on their screens and then they mm. sell advertising space against the football to fund the said purchase. Yeah. So we're, we're in a situation where there's um, uh, potentially each club, if this season is cancelled because we haven't fulfilled our contractual duties, we'll have to repay £37.5 million that's almost uh, an entire Alex Awobi that every club will have to give <laughs> give back to the TV companies, and yeah. and, and, and this is where it, this is where it gets interesting because you're like, okay, so maybe uh, Rupert Murdoch as a as a goodwill gesture in this current climate foregoes <laughs> foregoes that money, uh, but then you've got to say, well, how is he going to backfill that? Because all of the advertisers that were buying against the football, which is incredibly popular around the globe, have now got to put that money against something which isn't as appealing. So yeah. you're asking that they're, they're t- like, you know, Sky would take a double hit. You know, they're not getting the money back from the clubs. Then they're not getting the money from the advertisers because there's nothing interesting to watch on TV at all. I mean, Sky Sports has nothing to to show apart from classic games. Well, the- yeah, what about the badminton? Yeah, and and then it's like, and then if if Premier League clubs, most Premier League clubs will have spent all of that fucking cash. I mean, do you mm. think um, Arsenal certainly don't have forty million that they can give back? And then if if Aston Villa do have to, or sorry, if if football clubs do have to give that money back, then do they have to take it from the players? Because the player <laughs> the players' salaries are directly linked in general to the strength of the TV deal, so. Do they take a hit? Yeah. So what? Do, like, what do you think? Uh, like, like <laughs> I mean, this is, <laughs> these questions are so fucking big. What do you? What do? You, where does this go? Where does this go? I don't know. I think I was actually looking at um that while you were talking uh, a a guy called David Allen Green on Twitter who's um a bit of a legal expert. Um, he's done a thread on. Force majeure, um, Force and majeure. So what that means because you know you have that in a contract to say you know if if, if force majeure occurs, um, you, you know what what does that mean for the contracts? And obviously a pandemic is would be considered one, uh, but sort of going into the detail of it, especially English contract law, um, it basically means uh, if an event occurs outside the control of the parties, makes it impossible for a contract to be formed and the contract is frustrated. But what that means will depend on the wording of each force majeure. So basically, there's no set. We, d- we don't know. It's, it's, this is what lawyers are going to be looking at and thinking about um, 
probably and scrutinising quite closely uh, when it whether it comes to you know a season ticket, which I guess is is kind of contractual or an employee or whatever. Um, but again, I don't want to. I feel bad even talking about it because I, I, you know, I'm I'm not an expert, and I I don't want to. You don't want to worry people if it's not um, if it's not as maybe it's all thought out. But well, he, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna rescue you here. Kind of because I'm drowning. Yes, yeah, you are. You are so underwater yeah. right now. Yeah. I need to, I need to come in. I I think that again, it drives you to the conclusion that. If TV money is on the line, you've probably got to play out the remaining games, right? Yeah. Uh, because the alternative is give money back, which is unrealistic, or expect companies like Sky to waive $350 million, uh, yeah. $350 million plus in, in football, or for advertisers yeah. to just be like, hey, We'll just let those media dollars go. Listen, I work in advertising. No fucking way is anybody going to say, yeah, sure, we'll advertise against uh, a, a, a Sky Sports Gold game, the 1998 uh, title. Yeah. No way. So, again, it leads what about, it leads us to the conclusion that it's going to be very difficult not to finish this season in some way. So here's my idea. When everyone's recovered, each of the managers get together and enter a Sabutio tournament with their team. I love this. They play out the remaining fixtures on the Sabutio pitch, um, which is, you know, the theatre of dreams and all that stuff. Yeah. The whole thing's over in a day and we'll know them and be sure. And then Liverpool will get their title, uh, but it'll be tainted. <laughs> uh, it'll be the Sabutio type. Sabutio this, Cup. This sounds fair. This sounds that, fair. Yeah. I think it would be compelling TV and it would give us something to do. Okay, so uh, so we're we're on to, we've basically been we're onto our second point, and once again we've come to a, a no conclusion uh, scenario. I, t- I tell you one thing that I what, what, like one thing that I was running through my head, and this is it's not an idea; it's just me imagining business being a lot easier than it actually is. Yeah, but just just say so. My assumption here. Um, we'll bang the drum of non-expert here, even though I did do a course on contract law at university. If if we are in breach of contract and we break our contract by not playing the games and we have to give the money back, my theory or thought was, does that mean that the the contract is over it's finished the contract is 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 over and then that if we have to pay money back to uh, whoever needs money back that means that the premier league is a free agent because we broke a contract so uh, yeah so we, uh, so get so we break the contract then i think you're i think you're going down a wormhole yeah. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think we need to move on. Listen, I just, just think... let me just let me finish my wormhole. Okay, Connor. I've got cabin fever over here, so okay. you, you've got to let me get these things out, otherwise I'll jump off my balcony. So, if if the, maybe that allows a, a big player with deep pockets like Apple or Amazon to come in and come to the rescue, and the deal is, look, we're going to break contract with Sky. Uh, we'll pick up the thirty-seven and a half million for each club, and then we're going to run the show from there. And they can negotiate a good deal. Jeff gets a good deal. The consumer mm. gets a good deal, and the the clubs don't go bankrupt. Jeff Bezos saves the world. What do you think? Too far. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. Okay, cool. All right. You, do you know what you're reminding me of? You know, have you seen that meme of the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's got all the boards and like the red lines leading to everything? He's yeah. like, through, yeah. I think you've I think you've been in your flat too long. It's, it's, <laughs> this is what happens when you spend too much time with a robotic vacuum cleaner. <laughs> This yeah. is, is it just it's not it's not good he's, he's poisoning your mind yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, the word, you, you ever you ever have that where you you get really drunk on your own and then you you start writing up ideas for work and, yeah. and then you, you you basically solve your life uh you solve the biggest marketing challenges in the world and then you wake up and you read your notes and you're like oh my god that, so that, that, that is appalling i think that that's what happens when you're on your own for a week <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. So the the third and final point that I want to discuss on this particular topic, and this is where I need your expertise because you advise big companies. Yeah, but you're putting me under a lot of pressure. I am putting you under a lot of pressure, and I'm (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you because I'm not even sure if you actually have a job. You're just (laughs) propped up by uh, by by your parents. So the the question I have is the, the. You've got to look for wins, right? Everybody's got to look for wins in this because there's, you know, there's opportunity to do good things. And particularly in football, when you're an American owner and nobody likes your dad, there's, and, you know, people have been flying planes with banners saying nasty things. I feel like there's an opportunity for the Cronkies to do something good for the people of Arsenal. So the, the, the biggest problem that we're going to have is, is the most, the most vulnerable, vulnerable people have the least security and the people that keep Arsenal going on a match day are super underappreciated and they're going to go without because there's a whole bunch of games that are not going to be able to work for. Um, yeah. Do you think that Arsenal have an obligation to keep these people going some way, either by funding their, their game day salaries, uh, mm. like the games were going ahead, or is it, um, it would Stan fund it out of his pocket, or do the players come together and give a bit of their salary? Um, like, what, what what do you think? Is this just idealistic tosh from me, or do you think that there is? Um, do you think there's something in 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 showing empathy in a world that lacks it? Oh man, that's be- well. Look, I always think there's it's worth showing empathy in a world that lacks it. I think there's a couple of points there, and again, there's not one clear answer. First of all, I doubt very much. I don't know the man, but I doubt very much Stan Cronky puts his hand in his pocket for anyone, um, let alone staff of one of his subsidiary companies. I think you could see something from the players, but again, this is where the comms argument comes up against the legal argument and the financial one. I think if this is a, a brief thing and it, it the, the impact on match day revenue and on staff is not extortionate, you know, I, I imagine you could see something. If this goes on for months and months and it becomes, you know, really dire for um uh, for some people, especially as you say, those people who work at the stadium who might or, or around who might not be on that much money, it's not sustainable to expect anyone, you know, even if they are Premier League footballers, to to subsidise someone's uh, someone's income for a sustained period of time. And that's why I said at the start. I think you'd have to see government come in and 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 something work out. So I think there is room. There's definitely room for um, you know doing showing empathy and solidarity and we're all in this together um on a, on one or two occasions if it's right and as a as a communications person that's probably the advice you'd give to someone 
but you'd be having that conversation in the room with the the accountant as well and the lawyer who might be saying something different. So look, Matt, it's it, it's so difficult to say. It's I, I sound really cynical and you know jaded, but it's just because it's it's still quite early and there's still a lot of uncertainty about how this thing will play out. Uh, a, a gesture, some gesture of solidarity will be good, and I think actually there's a broader point, isn't there, that uh, uh, during moments like this, you actually see it's people do you know really do come together and do incredible things. I think the I know it's already becoming a bit pastiche, but the the videos of people in Italy singing on their balconies is is quite a nice yeah. example of that. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm sure there will be something. I don't know. I, I don't really have an opinion about whether the club needs to do something. I don't. You know, during a national emergency, I don't look to Arsenal Football Club. I look to the the government. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's probably my answer. Not very conclusive. Well, listen, that's the that's the theme of this podcast. Do you, <laughs> yeah. do, you do you think that uh, I'm going to ask a political question now? But do you do you think that the UK vibe at the moment is that experts are probably kind of useful at the moment? Oh, what as opposed to during the Brexit? Um, yeah. Do you think, oh, yeah. Ex, do you think I'm, expertise I'm, is coming back into fashion? Oh, it's it's back, baby. It's back. I think um, it's it, okay. We let's just say yeah. Let's do a bit of politics then. Go on. Come but on, we might I, I as well. Think, We've got nothing else to talk about. Yeah, I am. Um, well, we are going to do some football in the final bit. We, we are, have yeah, got some yeah. So stay tuned. Um, I think uh, look, there's a lot of coverage about the government's response, and it is diverging quite a lot. Uh, the UK government's response, and it is diverging quite a lot from other other countries. I I still, on the whole, and I think the majority of people understand and and, and follow the advice and accept that it's being made by. Et- you know, experts, it's not a political move. Um, it's not a political decision. It's an expert decision. And I think you, you understand it. I know there was, you talked about herd immunity, but I think this is more about delaying to avoid a, a sort of, you know, that smoothing that curve, as they say, so that the, it's, you know, we don't have shortages in hospitals and beds and all those kind of things. So I, I understand it and I support it. And I think most people at the moment and get that as well. If I'm honest, we I sort of look over at the US and I think I mean Trump looks all over the shop. I mean I, that would be a, more of a worry for me. The the guy's not got a grip on anything. Yeah, and look, I, I don't I don't want to get. Uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have 500 people uh, email me and say I stopped when it got to politics. Don't do that. But it's uh, it, it's important. But the 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 crazy thing about New York is that the, most most people were sent home uh, pretty sharpish. Um, like my agency, you know, said we can work home from Monday and then enforced it uh, on Thursday. I think that everybody's being like super sensible at the moment. It's a ghost town. But the alarming thing is that there's there's so few cases because you, you can't get a fucking test. Like, and this this isn't like a, a rich poor thing. You know, I, I was out with um, I was out with a guy last week and. He basically has all of the symptoms of of the of the problem, and he went to the doctor, and they 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 don't have a test. So, I mm. feel like I feel like the the dear leader mentality works to us to a certain degree, and then you need uh, honesty and expertise, and yes, uh, that feels like it's lacking in the response here, and it's a real shame because uh, you know nobody should have mm. to suffer off the back of this. No. Uh, I feel like we went to a dark place there. But Go on, let's get back on let's, football. Let's man. bring it back to football. We were going to have um, some some fun questions uh, to to answer, and if if anybody's got 
uh, if anybody's got some views on these, you know, on, on the answers, like hit us, hit us up in the tweets. But I've got I've got some questions that that we need to get to. Okay, so Alex, in yeah. the last twenty years, who is the best utility player Arsenal have ever had? Uh, Not ever. I mean, uh, uh, like, who's the best I've utility player of the last twenty years? Uh. You go. You go first because I know there should be someone. I, I you go. I need. To okay. Okay. So the, the, my my favourite utility player, it's got to be Gilles Grimondi. I, I batted around Nelson Vivas. I like yeah. Nelson, Nelson Vivas. You know, really aggressive, yeah. um, nasty piece of work. I think he. We saw him at the World Cup. We saw him at one of the World Cups. Anyway, but Gilles, Gilles Grimondi uh, would come on. He'd do twenty minutes. He'd get booked. He'd do something nasty. Do you remember? I can't remember whose testimonial it was. I don't know whether it yeah. was Dennis Burkamp's. And yeah. he, <laughs> Grimondi ran the length of the pitch to, to drop a two footed challenge on Edgar Davids when he was in the area. And it was just so Grimondi. Uh, and he's just <laughs> one of those players that when, when you were at Arsenal, you were like, I don't, I, I don't know what you. I don't know what you do, but it must work. Um, I think he was very popular in the dressing room, but he's he's turned into a bit of a cult figure. I know that he's a scout now, but he's yeah, just one yeah. of those players. When you think back, and it, like he's he's got a very uh, a memorable presence about his name, if you know what I mean. And yeah, I, I just yeah, think yeah. he's well, he he was sort of the the ushered in the Wenger, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was he one of his first signings? He was, yeah, I think he was one of the early signings. I, I, yeah. I, I, I can't work. I can't remember when he exactly came in. I think Remy Gar was a utility player that came in uh, because he was there to like mentor the the young French players. Yeah, but, but Grimondi was a bit more useful, and you know, like just sometimes there there are people in life that get opportunities they didn't deserve. And then they just take, they just grab them by the horns and they fucking ride it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Grimondi was one of those guys, you know, like Premier League winner, got to play with some of the best players in the world yeah. and just really enjoyed every single minute. Kind of a bit like Carl Jenkins, but Jenkins and but better. Better, yeah. Who's okay, yours? that's a good one. I, right, so I was looking. Uh, this is tough, man. Like, this. Does Flamini count as a utility player? I, I well, yeah, how, how can he not? He played a um, he played at fullback. Did, and took he, us to the Champions he, League final. Was, yeah, Champions League Left final, playing fullback. His first run at defensive midfield when he was in the 07 08 team, he was he was immense. I mean, he was one of my favourite players in that. Well, not my favourite player in that team, but he was so good in that midfield. Um, and you have to remember, he was uh, Arsene Wenger tried to flog him to Birmingham. The previous yeah. summer, and he was like, are, "Are you playing for Steve Bruce? Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, he just he was just sort of said, "No, nah, I'm not going to do that." And then he he sort of proved his worth. I did like him. Uh, <coughs> could you could you also have a cheeky shout for um, Kim Kim Kallstrom? Signed with a broken back, scored the penalty that sent us to our uh, first FA Cup final in God knows how long. Yeah, he's, I think he's another, like, Kim Kallstrom was a championship manager icon. 
Remember? Was he? Yeah, he was on Champ Man. I think he was on like the 2000 edition. You could get him on a free transfer or something. Yeah. He's yeah. a bit of a big deal on that. But yeah, I mean, like most one of the most successful utility players. I mean, uh, uh, that that was that was peak Arsene Wenger, wasn't it? Signing a player yeah. with a broken back. When you were like, surely, surely we're not going to sign a player with a broken back. And then we signed him, and then it was like, yeah, well, Arsene, Arsene Wenger didn't know, and then it came out. Yeah, no, he sure. he, he knew. Do you not think it's weird actually really thinking about it? And unless I'm just, I've got cabin fever, and I can't remember it. I can't really think of any utility players in the last like like 15 years who we you know like the sort of john o'shea can play him anywhere or james milner just come in and do a bit of everything like is your birthday possible no. Edu? I, but i i think i think the that maybe that's one of the problems of the last yeah. 10 years that like a good squad has good utility players that can throw their hand uh at any position and yeah we didn't really have much depth no you know well, in our yeah. squad to do that right well, that was what happened. Those those title runs, 07, 08, 10, 11, where we, we came very close. We we just didn't have a big enough squad. We didn't build out a squad. Actually, I'll tell you who's the utility player now. Uh, Ainsley. And then maybe I'm, Sasha as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's... Definitely I think Ainsley. That, uh, yeah, definitely Ainsley. I was, I was trying to think of um, of another one that probably wasn't so successful, but hard not to argue that... like Bouwe... Was a bit yeah. of a utility player as well. I mean, he played um, played at right back, right midfield. I mean, I'm sure we gave him a go in centre mid. Yeah. Um, briefly, I mean, it, like he he was he wasn't a bad right back. And then you, you know this you, I, when I, when I look at Bue and his career tra- trajectory, he wasn't a terrible right back, but you always felt he was better going forward. And then he yeah, got, yeah, then yeah. he got put in a more advanced position, and he was diabolical. And you, you, I know Sack is a bit of a, a different kettle of fish, but that um, that you know we spoke about that Lucasen uh, insight where they think that he could be a top three uh, left wing back in the world, yeah. but as a left winger he'd barely make the top thirty. And you, yeah. you you know that sort of insight almost directly correlates with Emmanuel Bouet's career trajectory. He went into midfield and he was shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was quite a common thing with a lot of our defenders right that they were good going forward but actually didn't uh, and not very good at defending but actually didn't have any end product and couldn't cross either like Clichy was a bit like that as well wasn't he oh no actually Clichy was an alright defender yeah I think Clichy was a solid defender I just I just always remember the the penalty against Birmingham in a way I just can never forgive him for that last minute oh no yeah I remember being there well, I think I was there were you at that game yeah I was at that game Oh, that what the one where Eduardo broke his leg? Oh no, sorry, uh, I thought you were talking about a different game. No, 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 I wasn't that one. Uh, oh, haunts me. Yeah, but it, like I think if the VAR was in place, it probably wouldn't have been a penalty, right? Oh, who yeah. knows? No, no, it was definitely a penalty. Definitely a penalty. All right, so um, let's all right. let's go on to um, the next player. Who is your who is your biggest transfer regret? A player that you thought was signing for Arsenal. And then, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. So I've got two, and one is just uh, well, I'll, I'll go through them. So first, I think it has to be Suarez, just because what he went on to do the the season after with Liverpool. Dennis um, Suarez was a huge miss. Dennis, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Graham Suarez, uh, nineteen sixty four, uh, from Swansea. No, um, yeah, 
what, what's his name? Lewis Suarez. Suarez. Yeah. That is that is a really really good one. I, but, I mean, I thought wouldn't everyone say that? But then the second one would I actually think would have been more would have. Um, it would have been more important, essential for the team. Yeah, and maybe it wasn't this individual, but it was his position. Mark Schwarzner, Schwarzer. How many years did we suffer around Munir? And Wenger had to spend an extra two million in to get a goalkeeper who was sort of passable. And we would, we would have got, we would have won the league, but he he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't spend more than he wouldn't spend four million to get Schwarzer in. So we we made do with Almunia in goal for. 10 years and he was absolutely hopeless oh my yeah uh, Almunia was spectacular at letting in goals yeah you know like I know he made some big errors but he was I think his speciality was allowing other strikers to have world class goals against him do you remember that yeah. uh, do you remember that free kick Cristiano Ronaldo when he silenced the, the Emirates uh, for like 8 minutes oh Oh, uh, that game, yeah. Awful, yeah. awful. Uh, okay, so if I could have um, two yeah, like two players that I regret. Oh, okay, well, my, my first one, and I've, I've written about this before, but do, do you remember like my my kind of like internet porn when I was like 13 years old wasn't mm. porn. It was um, it was Teen Talk. Uh, you remember, <laughs> I remember that hotline that you used to be able to call and it'd be like... <laughs> Uh, Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal interested in Wing Wizard. I think it's probably inspired me to get into writing about football. Yeah. But I used to, I, I used to get really into it. I got, I got in big trouble with my parents once, and um, my dad was sitting in the in the kitchen with my mum, like with a a phone bill uh, lying on the table, not my oh, but a house bill. And they were like, "We need to talk." And they were like, "You've been calling." dirty dirty hotlines and i was like no 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 i haven't I haven't they were like don't lie and they're like no i, I haven't I've, I've been calling team talk and they were like absolute bullshit and they they dialed the number with the with the phone on speakerphone and it was like arsenal interested in wing wizard from spain and you know it's like <laughs> and my dad was like I've, I've never been more ashamed of you in my life um and I was, yeah, I was a total transfer addict. And the first big, um, you know, addiction for me was following Arsenal's pursuit of Patrick Cliver. I think it was in the uh, summer of, I think it was in the summer of 98 or 99. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I followed it and I was going to school and I was like, Patrick Cliver, he's going to come from AC Milan. He's this fucking cool player. He plays for Holland. I'm very excited about him. And then it fell through. Um, mm. And... Uh, I was mercilessly ripped by everybody um, at school. I think he went to Barcelona. I was devastated. Turned out that actually he was pretty shit for Barcelona. Um, but yeah. still, that was that was that was my first big miss. And then, um, I guess I guess in recent times, the 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 big misses. I mean, if you think about players that could have impacted title challenges, I think Gary Cahill. Mm. Remember, uh, was that 08 when we probably when we could have got him from Bolton? Yeah, and we screwed over the chairman. We, yeah, we lowballed him again. Yeah, yeah we went in with a four help. million bid, and he said, "Don't come up here unless you're going to offer me at least twelve or whatever it was." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that that was a consequential miss in the in the 08 season because you know mm. we we have real problems with the running with um, William Gallas sulking on the halfway line. I think I've got those lined up. Was probably. that the, was it that season? Was it 08? No, Cahill was later than that. He was like was 11 he? or 12. 
Oh, okay. All right. I was he was he later? Uh, who was yeah. the centre back? We were trying to. We should have signed a centre back anyway. Anyway, maybe I've got that one wrong. Then um, the the second one is after the fifty million pound, fifty million, forty nine million and one pound deal fell through. Mm. Uh, we had the opportunity to sign uh, Higuain. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. the story was the we we bid twenty three million. Madrid were going to go for it. Then they changed their minds and asked for 32 million. And we were like, no, 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 no. Mm. And then a season later, he goes to Juventus for 75 million pounds. And it were, yeah. uh, and then Suarez goes to um, Barcelona for 75 million pounds. And that was um, during um, a, a sort of the era where player values were going up by 50% each summer. Mm. And our economist manager and CEO couldn't recognize that actually <coughs> taking a punt on elite talent uh, would yeah. pay off because transfer fees were going up so much. So um, not, and, and if you, you think about it in the 2015 season where we fucked it against Leicester, the, yeah. the, the, the main difference really was that, you know, Leicester had a, had a Vardy like character that maintained fitness through the whole season. And you just wonder if Arsenal had a Higuain, uh, that that could have supported us, or we had um, a, an elite striker. Uh, you, you know, well, as... yeah. Well, we did. We nearly signed Vardy the summer before, or was it that? Or was it that summer? We, no, it we was the in... summer. It was the summer after they won the Premier League. Yeah. Did, was Robin van Persie about in 2015, or was he? No, he left. He left before it. Yeah, because you always think if we had if Robin van Persie had stayed on. Yeah, maybe Arsenal would have won the league. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, painful. Oh, yeah, absolutely devastating. So this is actually more bleak than the chat about coronavirus. Oh, I know. Uh, okay, no, this, this is the, we we can end it. We can end on a fun one. Oh well, I've got I've got two. So you do. Oh, yours you got, oh, you got two. All right, my yeah. la- my last fun one. Uh, player that you had the most faith in, but they failed you. And made you and and people are still digging up that tweet from 2012 where oh. you were hyping a player. Okay, there's quite a lot of these. So <laughs> I'm just yes. going to spin, spin through them. I think there's one, the one that was like the one that is is it's not their fault, but just you always felt that, uh, they never realised their potential was Eduardo. So I just again, it's not that's not like a you know having a go at him or anything, but I just remember him pre the leg break he was he was dynamite he was like Aguero he was so explosively quick and like a great finisher and I just thought with it we had that front three of Van Persie and Eduardo and Adebayor and we were in such a strong position it was such, and he when he came back he never quite recovered his um his pace but I think okay players who Eduardo have, is such a good one Alex he he was I don't know whether I'm, I'm not sure how his career would have progressed because I sometimes felt he didn't bring it like he, he 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 was like a sleepy striker in the sense that like you were like where where is he and then he would just pop up with a goal out of nowhere I mean like his finishing was unbelievable um, but no. then when you looked at his stats he he, had, he actually had a few assists he had a beautiful touch yeah. in the box like a a really really interesting player and yeah like devastated the um the, the do you remember do you remember that goal was it against Everton he scored in um 
he scored this amazing goal, and it was just he, yeah, his finishing was great, but he was just he was quick and he was powerful as well. He's quite and he, that was the bit he lost from his game when he um, came through. Okay, actually, I've got all right. Let me just do my other ones quickly because okay, I've actually got three. This is two. I've got four if you include Eduardo. But um, so Rosicki. Uh Yeah. Okay. I mean, just in terms of how. The potential there, I thought he was, you know, he was such a good player. And he seemed to, before he came, he seemed to be a bit of a goal scorer and he never sort of brought that back. But I still loved the bloke and was a great, great player. Um, Ozil, you have to say, as as good as he was in like the first season, it's just, and he's the one who I tweeted, you know, oh, he's going to be big. And now people, you know, people come back and laugh at that. And then one for just now, uh, I hope I'm going to be wrong, but so far, I actually think Pepe his, this season has been a bit of a disappointment. Um, it might be he's adapting, it might be he's being played in a... The system isn't getting the best out of him, but I I was so excited about uh, signing him. And he just looks sort of lost at the moment um, in recent games. Anyway, you, what about you? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. And, I, and the, I think the point that you make about um, Pepe is is a really good one um, because I just don't see how a player that one-footed mm. um, can survive uh, the Premier League. But, you know, c- could be could be totally wrong there. And hopefully hopefully we are both wrong, but I, I do I do worry a little bit. Uh, I would I would say biggest disappointment, Julio Baptista. Oh God, yeah. I loved, I loved him. He was so exciting. I think originally we were gonna like he played in uh, he played in midfield uh, for Sevilla, and he was like a you know kind of a deep lying midfielder. Like who's he deep lying? I'm sure he played in midfield because we were trying to but, replace but Patrick. He's the striker, wasn't he? No, but I think we were trying to. Rep- I, I was sure we um, we were going to sell Vieira and sign him. He was a striker. I mean, I don't know where he moved up. Anyway, I, I initially thought that he was going to play in midfield, which is probably why I'm, I was so disappointed in the end. And then um, he, I think he, he got a move to Madrid. Um, mm. and we missed out and we signed him. And I was like, this guy is built for the Premier League. He, yeah. is, he is fast. He is powerful. He has incredible finishing. He looks the part. He's got a fucking cool name. And my God, he was absolutely shit. <laughs> was it? He was... He was shit. He wasn't uh, like he he wasn't up to the speed of the Premier League. He had mm. confidence. He was fucking garbage. Absolutely yeah. one of the uh one of the most disappointing sort of bigger name signings. Yeah. And then um I I, I think on the, I, I was very into Project Youth. Yeah. Like, I really loved that. I really loved that project. That was very exciting. Um I mean you could go with like I disappointed with Jack Wilshire, but I think Jack Wilshire is less of a a talent issue and more like he just got injured so much he just lost his head and I don't think mm. he's particularly interested in the game in the end um, but yeah. I, I was actually I was actually very captivated by Carlos Vela yeah I yeah. thought you know you see all those videos of you know what he was doing in, in the youth teams he was fast he was electric he had magic about him uh, and he, he did pretty well in some of those um, smaller games and 
he just didn't have the right attitude when he came into the first team. I think he had dietary issues. I don't know where yeah. he settled into into England, and like he eventually found his level, and and now he's you know he's he's tearing it up in the MLS. But it's, yeah. you know he's tw- twenty nine years old, and you kind of I, I I don't know what went missing there. I I don't know why he couldn't do what he was doing mm. um, uh, for for LA in the Premier League. So and and then the the other one that I kind of had up there, I did like Nicholas Bedner. <laughs> yeah, he was really? a, a massive whopper, but I I did like him. I did want to see him do well, but again, yeah. guy uh, overpaid, um, overhyped, and uh, had an ego of Zlatan, but the ability yeah. of uh, Adi Akinbaye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good. I thought you were going to say uh, Fran Morita, actually. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, Fran Morita. I, I I still I still think that that's um, it's incredible that we. Hit a hit a player in the mountains who was a young boy. <laughs> this is a bit, we could do a whole show just on people who are players who didn't live up to their potential. Um, I mean, it's most most of them, to be honest. Uh, okay, you, you know, it's it's kind of you know, it is a bit gross that we literally hit a fifteen year old boy in but the I mountains because we I wanted didn't know to. That. Get, we, yeah, we we literally no, we hit we hit him in the mountains until yeah. he came of age, and then we could sign him, and it's like. Oh, that sounds like child trafficking. Of, you know, I, I mean, I know that they're rewarding him with a massive contract, but look, they've outlawed that now. You can just imagine the interviews in years. Oh, well, you know, back in the day, we didn't ask for that. <laughs> it goes into a whole weird place. But um, yeah, Fran, Fran, Fran Morita was a very exciting player. I mean, like, uh, I look at Gilmore, who's breaking through at Chelsea at the moment. And I, oh, I, he looks great. I see, a, you know, you could see that that was the sort of player that he was going to be. But I think he ended up at Atleti, totally tanked. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no idea where he is now. There was, oh, yeah, I think he had a really bad time at Atletico. I was, maybe it was really about him. Or, there was an article about him and sort of what happened to him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, we could go. On. I, I was also just started watching Eduardo uh, goal compilation for Arsenal. Just remembering how good he was, getting emotional. Okay, look, it's my my turn now. Right, you do it. Right, favorite Arsenal goal. Oh, I, I mean, the, the 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 one that comes to mind to me instantly. Oh, there's two, but I'm gonna. I'll take one because you might take the other. Uh, it's my favorite goal that I've ever been at game four was uh, Thierry Henry versus Manchester United wearing that O2 shirt uh, mm. and he, he the Barthez lot yeah he, he had his back to goal he flicked the ball up for himself he gave he assisted himself and mm. like flicked it up volleyed it over Barthez uh, it was and I was standing I was sitting right behind it and I watched it loop over and you're like oh my, oh god, my god this is fucking this is a different world I, I I've never seen talent like this before and it was just um just unbelievably exciting I mean he was an yeah. incredible talent but I felt that goal m- more than any just summed him up like arrogant outrageous uh, supremely yeah. talented and you know, almost like a like a robot. You know, the 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 hardest thing post Thierry Henry was realizing that half chances weren't full chances. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. What was your favorite goal? Uh, well, mine mine are all a bit more recent because I wasn't I didn't go to Highbury or you know anything like that. But I, so I 
I would pick one obvious one and one perhaps less, slightly less obvious. I think I, the one that always stands out for me, and I wasn't at the stadium, either, I was watching on TV, was um, the second goal against Barcelona. Just because the, the sort of fluidity and the perfection of that move, the way he sort of, I think Benton passed to Wilshire, passed to Fabregasi rolls and just pings it out to Nasri. And then uh, our shaving coming in, and the, the the commentary as well. And he's like, "I show then." Can't do it. That sounds really bad. <laughs> but uh, but you know you know the one, right? I mean, everyone does. But and it was just something about beating Barcelona, that, that who were probably the best team of all time at that moment, beating them as well uh, and doing it like that was just so so good. I, I don't think I've celebrated the goal as much as I've celebrated that one. Listen, and then, there's a player that should have been on the list of... Oh, uh, yeah. Like, he, in his first six months, fucking phenomenal. What a player. Oh, yeah. But then the, then the Peds then walk. The no, we can't say it. Can we no, say that? No. Uh, no. I, yeah, no, no, no. It was a joke. It was joke. It was a joke. Absolute joke. Bad joke. Yeah. Retracted. Um, okay. And then the second one I was going to have, which is... I mean, it's, everyone knows it, but I, I just really enjoyed it. Do you remember, um, I can't remember which, the, was it the first time when we beat Spurs 5-2? And uh, <coughs> we scored some, I think I think it was, and Sanya got a header and Van Persie scored a, a beaut. But there was, I think it was Walcott's second goal, or, or the first goal where he was played through and he just, his first touch took, he, it was a shit first touch, unsurprisingly. Uh, but first then the touch second, was his third. He just dinked it over the um, dinked it over the keeper, and it and then he just went over to the crowd. And he's just celebrating in the sun, and it was just because of that performance and just coming from two 0 down to absolutely thump them. It was, just, it was such a yeah. such a great moment. Yeah, so I think those are my two. That's nice. That's nice. Okay, got any, got any more? Last question, and then yeah. we'll we'll, uh, we'll then we'll wrap this thing. Right, we'll wrap this, mother. Uh, favorite kit. Now, you be home or away any year. Ooh, um, I, I, I think the Arsenal, uh, either the Arsenal gold kit, because um, I was there in 2002 away at Old Trafford when we won the league there. Uh, Sylvain Wiltor, uh scored a, scored the goal, uh, mm. and it was just such a, a an iconic kit. Like nobody, I, I, you know, we haven't really yeah. seen gold in a kit, and you know, Nike was. Amazing back then, but I, 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 I said it in the last um and the goals bit, but the the Thierry Henry wearing that <laughs> yeah. O2 kit, like that was iconic. That was an elite uh, an elite sponsor. The shirt was awesome, and one of the most powerful teams to ever most powerful, most exciting teams to ever grace the Premier League wore it. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to it's hard to look beyond those ones where we were just so phenomenal. So yeah, the the O2. Uh, invincible kit and then the maroon kit as well was that the was that the year after or when was that that was, was, I, that, think no, that, was that no, I, I think that was um last in the stadium wasn't that 2005 yeah that was in, that was dennis burkham scored great kit. yeah dennis so Burkamp. i I, <laughs> I would definitely say one of those two but i think the other one that again because i'm doing this sort of more recent stuff as well the one that really stood out for me as well was the um of the away kit 13 14 was that yellow and blue with the hoops, hoop socks, and they did the kit announcement with it was all the young like Wilshire and Ramsey and Walcott and Jenkinson and Gibbs and Chamberlain, and you just thought it was just a 
it, I mean, it looked elite and it was the first properly elite kit we'd had for ages. And there was just something about the way they launched it with all these young players who at the time you thought were going to be massive. And I think that was the first season Ozil came as well. So we also signed this, you know, yeah. once a generational signing, all playing in that kit. And I think for the first half of the season, we looked really, really good. Um, I think it's a really sexy kit. That is a sexy kit. And, you know, I've got to be honest. I love I love the current home kit. I think it's beautiful. Oh yeah. Would you yeah. Do you prefer the current home kit or the away kit? Uh I really like the I really like the home kit. Uh, Alfred yeah. Alfred who joins the podcast um every now and then. Uh he he bought he bought me one when he stayed with me and I was like, I'm not, I don't I don't wear football kits. <laughs> I, I tell you, I wear that I wear that all the time now. I'm a I'm a I'm a football kit wanker now. And I'm quite excited oh, okay. to see what, because they're going to bring that back, that bruised banana kit at some point. And yeah. um, I've seen some concepts for uh, for next season's home show or, the, or, you know, just like fan concepts. And I'm like, oh, wow, mm. there's lots of different directions that we can go with this because, it, you know, they're added as a part of our, uh, our, our kit DNA, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really, so, yeah, this season's kits are great. Um, very nice. I'll get, I might get one at some point in solidarity with you. <laughs> awesome alright well um, we had a it's a long podcast but ultimately a lot of people are going to be sitting at home bored out of their minds so I hope everybody yeah. enjoyed that and yeah you you um, you held down that cough as well so congratulations to you yeah hopefully I'll, I'll I can survive and I'll I'll push on through awesome okay well thank you for joining um, the show uh, again s- same rule of thumb uh, we're going through coronavirus like the least you could do is give uh, a five star and until next week, wash your hands, uh, keep your social distancing going, and share uh, this podcast. Jump and out. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.